This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Welcome to episode 430 of the Yellow World Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Wutzko, and today we will talk about the Derby Sieg against FC Schalke and Saturday's clash against Erste FC Köln, which kicks off a frenzy of 13 games in 43 days. Whew, for all that and more, joins me Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? How are you enjoying the international break? Well, I'm enjoying it in the sense of there is a break. Uh, I haven't watched a single second of international football because I think the Nations League is exactly what Stefan Baumgart says, a competition that nobody wants or needs. Well, I actually appreciate the Nations League. I, I think um, it creates interesting games. So I care a little bit more about the international games than I otherwise would, maybe. But that's still very, very hard to measure because I pay not that much attention but uh, yeah I did watch uh, Germany against England with one eye because I think I was playing video games <laughs> parallel to it but uh, yeah I did see uh, Nico Schotterbeck uh, yeah uh, studs up tackle into Jude Bellingham's uh, shin which was a lot of fun and exactly what you wanted to see but uh, Matthias um, we do have a sponsor for this episode wir sind komplett schuldenfrei wir zahlen keinen einzigen euro an zinsen and this episode is sponsored by Steve Berkowitz, who is a longtime listener and a longtime supporter of our show. So for that, first of all, thank you, Steve. Pretty sure it's like north of five years, maybe even longer. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it's it's always great to have uh, such loyal listenership. And uh, yeah, Steve has a shout out to Borussia STL, the St. Louis supporters of BVB. And uh, yeah, I think they actually had a, um, a camera crew uh, with them in St. Louis uh, for the Revier Derby. I don't know <laughs> for what exactly and what they filmed, but I'm sure eventually we shall see the footage. Um, don't know for what network, uh, but uh, yeah, can't wait to see it. And uh, yeah, let's uh, talk about the Revier Derby. And from the get-go, that even though Schalke were without a chance and uh, Dortmund were very dominant, and obviously you can argue the scoreline should be higher, yada, yada, I personally just really enjoyed the entire uh, Revier Derby and uh, all the shenanigans around it. And, um, you know, I was very nervous until full-time. Like, the full-time whistle was a big relief for me. My Apple Watch told me with two minutes left on the clock that uh, in the last 10 minutes, my <laughs> heart rate has been over 120 beats per minute uh, without any activity and uh, <laughs> asking me if something is wrong. Even though if you rewatch the game, uh, Schalke weren't really threatening. However, um, it just, uh, you know, to me, it is a very important game. And of course, on one hand, you're very glad that it's back. On the other hand, um, you know, it was also funny that Schalke got relegated. But nevertheless, Matthias, um, to me, it was a very meaningful game and a very meaningful win. And uh, you can now fill in everything in between if you want, because that's the first thing I wanted to get off my chest. 
is that I personally really enjoyed it and was very anxious. Oh, I'm right there with you. I mean, I was the, the jubilation when Mukoko scored, the guttural scream that went through the house, <laughs> accompanied with the then following scream because I had thrown my back out and I was on the couch <laughs> not really moving, uh, was was quite audible. Um, but it's it's a Schalke Revier Derby. It doesn't really matter where each team is sitting in the table. I mean, we've had Revier Davies where Schalke were pushing for champions and Dortmund were a middling squad, if even that. And it's always meaningful. It's always impactful. I actually enjoyed some of the chippiness that came with it because that just fits. That, you know, it gets the emotions up. It gets you going. Uh, and then when the match is over, the match is over. Uh, but it, it was, it was, I don't want to say it was an exciting game because it wasn't. If you just pull back and you would look at it through neutral eyes, like my wife's eyes, I'd uh, <laughs> be like, this is kind of boring. And it was really boring. If you really think about it that way, if you take the Derby emotions out of it, it was one team playing football and one team just trying to not concede. I mean, that's really what it was. And the statistics underline that, and the eye test underlines that. Um, Schalke almost pulled it off. I'm not going to say they defended brilliantly, uh, because they, you know, Dortmund had their chances. But they they defended, for sure, and they put everything into defense. Uh, Sebastian Terode is... Uh, Terora is basically what I've always said he is. He's a very good second Bundesliga striker. He is not usable in the Erste Bundesliga. And I think that will be evident again after this season when he, you know, walks away with, I don't know, maybe five goals. Maybe he's already scored that many, which I don't think so. Uh, I don't even think Schalke have scored that many. Let me, let me double check. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, but it was one team pushing and, you know, Dortmund felt pretty comfortable the whole time. But you're just never comfortable because it's a derby. Because we all remember being up 4-0 at halftime once upon a time and somehow not winning that game. And so it just, you know, obviously the commentators had to bring up the Bremen match because that's just going to be the narrative for the entire season now, which I'm already sick of. Um, and don't want, you know, clean sheet. It was, it was Arbeitssieg. You know, they really had to work for this win but they completely deserved it. With a couple of exceptions, um, everybody on the Dortmund side actually played, I feel like, relatively well. And then, of course, there's the the big downer that was Marco Reus. I initially thought it was something in the knee because I didn't even see how he went down, but then when I saw the replay, okay, it's just the ankle. It probably won't be that bad. Dortmund are now saying that uh, he will be returning in about two weeks so, um, you know, he will still miss about six games if uh, the ETA is accurate, which it rarely is uh, when it comes to Borussia Dortmund. But nevertheless, um, you know, as Tessic said after the game, Marco Reus is in magnificent form and very hard working for this team. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, to to me, it's 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 a really bitter loss, especially in the context of all the games that are ahead. And, um, you know, his replacements, Giorena and uh, Julian Brandt probably will have to, uh, you know, play it by committee, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's it was such a downer. But Matthias, before you talk more about that, I, I just want to comment how the team did not 
fall apart afterwards. <laughs> um, because we've seen that too from Dortmund that uh, they, you know, are then on shaky grounds if they have, you know, such a, let's call it traumatic event, especially of someone that important. But um, I thought that um, they actually really played well and uh, Gio Reyna filled in quite well for Marco Reus as well. I mean, Gio Reyna created chances. Gio Reyna, if it weren't for Jude Bellingham uh, attempting the header, I think might have probably scored on Schwolo. Um, and uh, yeah, also Gio Reyna later after the one that had this fantastic curler <laughs> that just went wide. So um, yeah, I think at least in that regard, Dortmund are very lucky that Gio Reyna is just coming back um, from his injury because I think he is the best replacement for Marco Reus, but uh, Julian Brandt certainly can also play on that position. But um, yeah, obviously the uh, the entire lineup uh, will remain a headache for Aiden Tessic, even though uh, some players did come back. But, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about the uh, surprise injury because uh, we had no idea that uh, Rafael Guerrero was going to be out for this game, even though in my preview on the BVB update, I sort of speculated that even if he weren't injured, it probably would make sense to rest Rafael Guerrero just because after a game like uh, the game against Manchester City, um, you know, he probably would have been too gassed anyway. And uh, we had, of course, Marius Wolf then, who of course uh, later did um, hit the assist for Mokoko's goal. And uh, in that regard, um, you know, I do have a listener question from Indianapolis 09, uh, at BVB Indy and uh, he or she asks if Marius Wolf continues to be in this current form and start game after game for BVB will he have a shot at going to the World Cup and uh, to me that's an interesting one so Matthias uh, what do you think first of all it's Simon Terode not Sebastian Terode yeah. anyway I, um, I'm not last so I wasn't going to correct you yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean it's a Schalke player so who really cares yeah um, Marius Wolf to the World Cup I don't see it happening I personally don't. I think uh, the Bayern bias will continue under Hansi Flick, um, as it's kind of proven. Even when Bayern are down in form, it'll still be a very Bayern side for Germany. Marius Wolf doesn't, I think, really fit the uh, profile that Hansi Flick is looking for. And so I would be I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe gets called up in the, you know, the kind of test run up where they always add a few extra players and then doesn't make the cut. If he would make the cut, he'll be the Eric Duhm of this uh, World Cup squad in the sense of, uh, well, he's there. <laughs> um, you know, he's going to be the Großkreuz or the Duhm of the squad that, you know, from 2014, they made the trip. Let's say that uh, they got to go to Brazil. And I think um, that's that's at most what Wolf could think of at this point. But I just don't see him between now and, I mean, we can't forget the World Cup's starting in how many weeks? I don't even know, but it's, you know, it's less than two months. So, um, it's about 50 days, I think. 50 days. Okay, yeah. So less than two take. months. Uh, I I don't see it happening at all. He, well, I mean, he hasn't gotten a sniff so far, so why now? Yeah, uh, that is probably correct. However, um, I, I think this question just shows um, how much he is already being appreciated by Dortmund fans 
for the way he's playing right now. And, um, you know, if you look at who scored, he's actually Dortmund's man of the match. I think this is helped by the assists. But overall, um, I think he's just a very solid player and uh, a role player. And you can slot him in there. And uh, even as a left back, although he can cross with his left foot, <laughs> um, I think uh, he, you know, is, is a two-way player in the sense that uh, his defensive duties are not being neglected by while he's also doing stuff going forward, you know, cutting inside. I think in the first half, he also got at the end of a, of a shot. And um, yeah, I'm becoming a big Mauro's Wolf fan, if I'm honest, which is something I would have not foreseen uh, previously. But um, I just appreciate his um, acceptance, maybe, is what you would call it, um, that he is a role player, that he is never going to be a superstar uh, in in the greater sense of it. However, um, he is making the best out of his situation. He is not bickering, but uh, he is reliable and available when he's around. And uh, you know, I'm I'm very happy with that. So uh, yeah, kudos to Marius Wolf. And uh, yeah, the assist was uh, beautiful. You know, just uh, a, a perfect cross. And uh, yeah, that Mokoko goal, Matthias, um, just also in the form. Um, of him taking the header, how he was towering in the air, uh, given he was not distracted by any defenders because I think Yoshida was moved up too far. Um, but nevertheless, um, you know, he's still 17 years old and to to take a header like that um, is obviously amazing. Uh, how how, uh, how are you describing the goal and uh, what this does to the whole Modest versus Mokoko narrative and how do you think this is going to go ahead in the future? At the end of the day, he scored the type of goal that Modest was brought in to score. You know, a header. Uh, Mokoko is not exactly a giant, uh, but he took that really well. Um, and I don't even think that was his first headed opportunity. There may have been one after that. I can't remember. I think from a quarter or whatever. Um, the, you know, if we look at it purely statistically, you know, it's hard to, to really say. I mean, Modest played 63 minutes, had 10 touches. Mokoko played 27 minutes, had nine touches. Um, and, you know, seven carries versus Modest's two carries. It's because they're two completely different types of strikers. Mokoko will drop deeper. He'll come to get the ball. He'll be more involved in that. But then obviously he oftentimes, he isn't up front, whereas Modest is told, you are that first line. And his lack of touches is also down to a lack of supply, it, you know, overall. I mean, you still have to look at the fact that Dortmund did play 22 crosses in the whole match, and Modest only had 10 touches. And, he, I mean, he had two shots, but nothing on target. Mukoko had four shots with two on target and obviously a goal. I think a debate, Modest versus Mukoko, it's still too early for me. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, especially now because Modest, I don't know why. Uh, sorry, Mukoko left the Germany's under-21s. I don't know why. I didn't read any deeper than that if he had an injury or a knock or something uh, for their match against England's under-21s. But we'll we'll just have to wait and see. It's good to have both, also because there's such a dramatic change of style between the two. And if you have someone like Modest and say he's not scoring, like against Schalke, the defenders feel fairly confident for 50, 60, 70 minutes and defending him. And then you bring in Mukoko, who's a different style of player, who also has way more pace. 
the defense has to adjust. And that is something a lot of, let's say, not top quality defenders have a hard time doing. So I, I do like actually the changeup. And maybe you can also do it in reverse a few times. So overall, I think this is a good sign for Tazic and for Dortmund. But we can't ignore the fact that Dortmund have only scored nine league goals so far. They still sit second in the table. That's because they've had a lot of clean sheets, which is a weird sentence to say right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I the mean, two Dortmund losses... I Dortmund managed to get 12 points out of four goals. Yes, yes. But we also can't forget, I mean, Dortmund's two losses in the league, they have shipped six goals. So in the five wins they've had, they've scored nine and conceded one, which is fantastic. But, you know, you can't ignore the two losses, specifically the one or actually both of them, because, you know, you have, you know, the Leipzig was just an abject failure of a match. And against Bremen, I think if you play that game 10 times again, that's not going to happen. It was <laughs> it was just a, a catastrophic, you know, falling apart at a weird time. But Dortmund have now shown that I feel like they're, that's not going to happen again because there have been matches where that could have happened and it didn't. Leipzig is a different story. They just didn't play well and Leipzig did play well. Whereas here against Schalke, given that Schalke didn't force a single save out <laughs> of Alexander Maia, not a single save in 90 minutes of football. In fact, there were only three shots total from Schalke, um, in that regard, there was never really that danger there. The most dangerous, the most nervous I got was, uh, it was towards the end of the match, a set piece from kind of slightly to the left, but I'm like, well, they don't have Daniel Caligiuri, so why am I even <laughs> nervous? And yeah, I mean, it fizzled out. Everything Schalke did fizzled out. It's comma football in the sense of, okay, you may not get relegated this season with Frank Kramer, um, but uh, ask Bielefeld how it went in the second season. And that's really what Schalke was in this match. Uh, the most interesting player was Rodrigo Salazar because he kept on getting fouled in the last 10 minutes of the match. Every foul was a foul on Salazar, whether it was Adeyemi or Chan. I think uh, what we've seen in this match, other notes, is Emre Can will not be starting unless... <laughs> Uh, Chan is injured. I think uh, Zalia Chan, who is actually... I mean, the, the, the set piece you were you know, talking about, right? Yeah. You know, that was Emre Can. He came yeah. on and straight away yep. need to hack a guy. Yep. Like, completely unnecessary because uh, Chan was standing in, in front of him. And I was just I was just waiting for this to somehow, uh, with eight deflections or whatever, go in just because uh, of punishment for the stupidity of this tackle... And Emre Can, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like he was actually a bit lucky to not get a straight red for that because it was a pretty reckless challenge and was sort of from behind. Um, you know, obviously it's a derby and uh, things can get a little rougher. So I think the yellow card was fine, but if you are unlucky, um, a referee has uh, grabbed for the other card in his pocket. And um, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh other than that, it was fine, <laughs> but yeah, still, I was I was not happy. However, and uh, maybe this is the moment to say this: when um, Adiyemi almost, you know, hugged <laughs> Salazar from behind to just really 
force him to the ground. That to me probably was the best counter-attacking opportunity Schalke had all game. And that an uh, attacking midfielder from Dortmund would commit such a cynical foul really in the mid middle of the park. It was somewhere in the in the circle square, uh in the in the circle, in the center circle. Um I'm I'm just gonna say that was minus the goal to me the moment of the game. Uh just because um of the intelligence <laughs> shown that uh, yeah you can get a yellow card here and uh, deny whatever little chance Schalke have in this game and um, I was elated with this I was really celebrating this challenge and uh, shows to me that Karim Adeyemi has understood what uh, the derby is all about but also I think speaks overall to how well Dortmund defend yeah because we can all make fun of Schalke and how terrible they are but I also think in the context of Dortmund having played this game in Manchester where they ran well north of 120 kilometers um, and, and then having the uh, focus for the first minute until the 90th or 96 or however long it was um, to yeah not make weird mistakes and to be compact and be feisty and match uh, the level of aggression that Schalke most certainly showed I think is commendable because in so many derbies before I have missed uh, this type of stuff from Borussia Dortmund so um, you know the fact that it was just a 1-0 win uh, to me is absolutely fine because the way Dortmund performed and I was just very happy with with the, um, I don't know if you want to call them soft skills or basics or whatever it is, but uh, this team looked like it understood what the derby was all about and played accordingly. And obviously you can play better football, create more chances and score more goals on the Schalke team. No doubt Union Berlin, I think, should elect them 6-1. to However, Dortmund right now um, do not have the firepower to, um, you know, do that to other teams and uh, especially not in this game where I think Union Berlin had a lot of set-piece goals and uh, counter-attacking goals but Dortmund just didn't have uh, the <laughs> opportunity to counter-attack and they're just terrible at taking set-pieces, if I'm frank. So, uh, Matthias, to me, that moment overall was a nice reflection of how Dortmund, uh, you know, just... Uh, handled this game overall. No, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, speaking of the Adeyemi foul, it was also smart in the sense he didn't go into the legs or anything. It was kind of a soft kind of tackle at the top, like a tug back, where you know you're going to get a yellow card, but you're never going to be in danger of a red card because you're in a position where you're definitely not the last man. It wasn't endangering the health and safety of another player. So you take one for the team at that point in the match uh, when it when it happened, which is also perfectly fine. Um, I mean, it was 83rd minute. Adeyemi then obviously would know that he can't make another silly foul, but he wouldn't really be in a position to do that too often. He's not one in the defensive block, Emrechan, um, <laughs> where you don't really want to lean into that. So... No, I thought that was great. Uh, I also think, once again, Mats Hummels, great performance. Um, he's having a very good season uh, so far, which is really good to see. I mean, we were a little, we were questioning, given his age and, and lack of speed and things like that. But at this point, I'll be honest, um, the starting center back pairing for me 
is Hummels and Schlotterbeck. And Zula has to work his way back into the side. Now, obviously, Zula is still coming back to fitness. It's going to take a while. I was not, not, not happy by the fact that he had to play for Germany. I think that that's flick making, you know, that's that's like a reckless decision because he is still coming back from injury and finding form, especially given the treatment he received at Bayern this year. So he hasn't had a ton of game time. Um, but I guess, you know, if you're going to get game time and not get injured, then, uh, you know, a Nations League game for Germany, fine. Fine, go do it, as long as you stay healthy. But right now, Hummels, I think, is very important because even though I think Schlotterbeck is very, very good, you see his age, <laughs> and he will make the boneheaded mistake. He's made one per match. Sometimes it works, and sometimes, or let's sometimes he's punished, and sometimes he's not. Um, he does ninety nine things brilliantly, then he makes does the one thing recklessly. The problem is, as a defender, you're judged by the one reckless act in that moment. If it costs you a penalty, like he does for Germany, seemingly all the time, um, or you know a bad pass to the opposition when they're in the attack, you're in the defensive third, which I've seen him do a few too many times, where he tries to be a little bit too cute. He tries to then be a Mats Hummels in a situation when it's more called for to just just hoof it, just clear your lines and reform, especially against a team like Schalke, where you're probably going to get possession back in, like, 20 seconds. Uh, there's no reason to be cute about it, and I think that's what Mats Hummels then does. Yeah, he'll look for the game-breaking pass uh, for Dortmund to, to attack forward, which he's fully capable of doing, but he'll also just clear the lines. And I think that's where Schlotterbeck still needs to go. I think that's something that Zule does better than Schlotterbeck. Zule will then just clear the line, and occasionally... You just kind of have to do that. Yeah, I, you know, I actually slightly disagree. I think that Dortmund's best defensive or centre-back pairing, if, if I'm brutally honest right now, is Zule and Hummels because of uh, the things you just said about Schlotterbeck. And uh, obviously, um, Schlotterbeck is a fan favourite instantly just because of the playing style, you know. <laughs> uh, it is sometimes reckless and uh, he does make mistakes, but I said way before the season started that I'm personally okay with this. You know, obviously uh, it is frustrating in the moment, but uh, it is okay to allow these things to happen because they are going to happen and you have to expect these things to happen because he does not have the experience yet and he still has to mature and he's still a young guy and uh, in this position, um, you know, you're hardly ever going to be flawless. Now, um, what I do find funny is um, that Mats Hummels has you know, taking the competition, let's say, on his position and uh, did not pout, but turn around, uh, hired a new nutritionist and is now uh, in a really world-class form where it is to the extent that uh, he is, to me, by far the best defender that Dortmund have right now. And um, it is just a, a beautiful sight to see because I personally love to see and watch Mats Hummels when he's at the top of his game, when he has this commanding presence, when he intercepts balls like it's nothing and just takes a touch to take the ball away from the attacker and uh, then just, uh, you know, calmly scans the field and, uh, you know, plays a nice uh, Außenriss pass or something like that. Uh, he's just a very elegant defender in that. 
And uh, I don't know if it's just a coincidence, but when Dortmund chipped three goals against Bremen, Mats Hummels had to leave the field uh, about the hour mark. And uh, when Dortmund uh, lost in Leipzig 3-0, Mats Hummels also was not on the field. So I don't know if there's a correlation or not, but uh, I have a hunch there might be. Um, it's Overall, it's still very positive to me that Dortmund now have these three centre-backs. However, uh, it's also only three centre-backs, really, if you're honest, because should one go down, then uh, it's already squeaky bum time for Dortmund at the back. And uh, given the schedule ahead, um, you do not want to see any injury to any centre-back or any player right now, but uh, you just know it's coming at some point, and uh, I fear for the day where Dortmund's uh, centre-back... Uh, line will be Emre Can and Koulibaly or something like that. So, um, yeah, I really hope that they also all manage to stay healthy. And, uh, yeah, it's obviously going to be a task for Edin Tessic to, uh, you know, have the right amount of load management because it is obviously going to be very important going forward. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I don't know if this Revier Derby win can, Dortmund, uh, can give Dortmund an additional boost as it sometimes does. Um, in the first championship winning season in the club when they uh, won at Schalke 3-1 and then came home, uh, you know, Shinji Kagawa was uh, <laughs> carried on shoulders <laughs> through the Dortmund night sky. Um, obviously, this game, this Revier Derby, uh, this, uh, Derby Sieg was always described as one of the turning points or one of the sparks um, that really set off uh, something special. Now, obviously... Uh, for Dortmund, this can be a huge advantage because Bayern Munich in the title race, if you look at it, for example, do not have such a uh, revere derby that can uh, set them off. Obviously, they will have a head-to-head -head game uh, for sure. But nevertheless, Matthias, um, do you think that apart from it being a nice emotional win, um, it can transcend and uh, have a positive boost for Dortmund? Or am I uh, dreaming a little bit too much into this? Well, given the emotional state of uh, these types of games and what they what they mean to a club, uh, and I I would put also Dortmund against Bayern in that as well, just because of you know the history of the last thirty years, it it sets the tone for the team, especially when you have veteran players in there who've been through the derbies and who know what it means, and not even veteran players. I'm throwing even Mukoko in there, who's played against Schalke since he was, like, what, 10? And owns them since he was, like, 10, which is just awesome. I mean, when um, he was 15 and scored the hat-trick yes. in Gelsenkirchen, he was racially abused, so this was also yeah. personal for him. Yeah, and having people like him, uh, Reus in there, Hummels in there, who understand what this means... Uh, and Tezic as a coach who lives this. I mean, the fact that Tezic said there's nothing worse for a Dortmund coach than congratulating uh, the Schalke coach after a Revier Derby. That is a statement that only someone like Edin Tezic could say. Maybe Jürgen Klopp, but really with Tezic it's even deeper. And so, yeah, I think this is the emotional boost to help them forward, especially when you look at the fact that Bayern are struggling right now. They're struggling for answers. They're struggling for results. Uh, not necessarily performances. I think people are getting carried away by comparing results and performances. If you watch those Bayern matches, they're still outperforming their opposition. They are just not getting the luck. It's almost like 
they don't have their talismanic striker for the last <laughs> X number of years who would score 4,000 goals a season. Uh, and that that actually makes a difference. And, I mean, look at Dortmund as well. You know, Dortmund don't have Erling Haaland. That's, that's goals that are just, that, that's a component that's just missing. However, here's the big thing. In those matches where Dortmund is dominant, they're winning 1-0. They are not conceding the goal that Bayern right now is conceding. And uh, that is very, very important to keep your eye on as that goes on. Because we've always said it for years, when Dortmund have been dominant and then lost or drawn, oh, those are the matches that Bayern somehow still gets a 1-0, 2-0 win. They somehow win. Well, right now, Dortmund is the team that's winning those, and Bayern is the team that's not. And that is very, very important. Now, obviously, the Dortmund, the head-to-head matches are going to be very important. But if you look at the table right now, uh, Union Berlin, that's going to be an important game. Gladbach uh, is going to be important. Frankfurt, stuff like that. Obviously, Freiburg and Hoffenheim, but we've, we've already gone through those. Um, so it's it's actually really, really... I'm happy to say that for right now, it's really intriguing Bundesliga season, uh, which... When we talked after the first couple of match days, I didn't think it was going to be, even at this point, I thought Bayern were going to be, you know, six, seven points clear at the top by now, which they're not. No, and uh, that is nice, but uh, I'm <laughs> under no illusion that Bayern will just continue to drop points. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously, after Dortmund play against Cologne in the Bundesliga, they will then host Bayern on the... Uh, the 8th of October. So, um, yeah, it's obviously going to be a massive game and uh, arguably, probably, maybe season-defining for Dortmund. I mean, if they manage to beat Bayern, um, <laughs> I'm I'm really wondering if uh, Nagelsmann can hold on or if we then see Thomas Tuchel on the sideline because how many times have we seen it that uh, Bayern looked like they were struggling not getting the results and then make a coaching change and all of a sudden they're storming to a treble you know we've seen it with Heinkes we've seen it with Flick um, I wonder if uh, Thomas Tuchel to Bayern really is a thing um, that is probable right now or not I'm not close enough to uh, either Tuchel nor Bayern to really uh, gauge the temperature there um, but what are your thoughts or <laughs> we just spitball around here oh 100% 100% if Bayern struggle against Leverkusen uh, if they don't if they don't get a win against struggling Leverkusen i think uh, if they haven't already reached out then they will then and then the Dortmund match will be the defining match for Nagelsmann i'll be honest there would be nothing i would enjoy more that day if Dortmund would beat Bayern, and that means that smug fucker gets <laughs> sacked. Because, <Hands>. oh my <laughs> God, I cannot stand that guy. Now, I have my issues with Thomas Tuchel, but it's a different, it's totally different. It's completely different. Um, because, you know, Nagelsmann's the kind of guy who in the morning looks in the mirror and goes, yeah, you're awesome. Whereas Tuchel gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror and goes, I got a lot of work to do today. And that's that's a different attitude. Tuchel is, I mean, I think every manager at the top level has a massive ego and a certain level of arrogance. But Nagelsmann, it's just, bleh, I just can't stand the guy. He fits perfectly Yeah, you perfectly can see a little bit too much of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there, are, there are a lot of Dortmund fans who absolutely hate Thomas Tuchel. And there are also a lot of 
Dortmund fans that still really love Thomas Tuchel. And uh, what I will say is that in my mind, there's no doubt that Thomas Tuchel is a much better head coach than Julian Nagelsmann. And uh, so I'm not entirely sure uh, how much my Schadenfreude will carry me <laughs> on the day. If well, I know of course. That, of yeah. course. But, I mean, uh, in the long run, emotions out of it, it would be better if they stick with Nagelsmann and he tanks the season. Um, that would give me even greater joy. But no, I mean, Tuchel is a much better coach. I mean, look what he did at Chelsea. You know, I mean, let's let's be honest there. The fact that he got sacked at this point, it's like that shows how little grace is given in the Premier League to someone who within, you know, I mean, within a year and a half of that happening had won the Champions League and not comparing it to the first Champions League that Chelsea won. This time they actually played football. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Nagelsmann's seat is more than hot. And it'll be interesting this Friday because you've got two managers who are under massive pressure in the Bundesliga. Yeah, the game is already dubbed the Endlassico. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because with Leverkusen, everyone, including myself, thought that that's a top four team, you know, right. given how they played last season. And I, I, I knew they were going to fall apart as soon as I saw Derek Ray on ESPN tip them ahead of Dortmund in second place. I was there like, you okay, go. that's kiss, the of, kiss death. of death. Yeah. Kiss of death right there. And there are quite a few. I think um, also Rasenfunk. I forget who it was in their season preview had someone tip Leverkusen ahead of Dortmund. And I was like, I mean, I think Leverkusen was finished in the top four, but ahead of Dortmund, you do know this is Leverkusen, right? Um, you know, no, I, feel, I feel like people always look at Leverkusen and forget that they have Hadetsky in goal and Tapsudpa in, uh, and, and Ta in defense. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you want to play consistently well, for more than half a season in the Bundesliga, you actually need to have a defensive, uh, you know, individual quality on top of everything else. And Leverkusen just do not have that. Plus, they are, and I'll be quite frank here, they are a small club. You know, they are run by the Bayer Leverkusen AG or by the Bayer AG. And, uh, you know, there's never enough bus around Leverkusen to really, you know, have some momentum that transcends the things that are happening just on the football pitch. So, I I don't know. I mean, obviously Wolfsburg did win a title once, but uh, just, you know, it is it is hard to imagine that Bayer Leverkusen really take it uh, up a notch uh, anytime soon, even though they have the team and the, the players minus the defense to certainly, um, you know, attack and score a lot of goals and uh, be a fun team to watch. But uh, I do not even recall the last time Leverkusen won. Uh, I think it was against Mainz. But, uh, you know, there was uh, the one win and then around that they have three losses. Um, yeah, they, they beat Atletico Madrid, funnily enough, in the Champions League. But um, they are in 15th place in the Bundesliga right now and have five points. So they are already a whole 10 points behind Dortmund. And, uh, you know, same with Leipzig. They are also seven points behind Dortmund. Uh, even though they managed to win the head-to-head. So that really goes to show that these two teams are pretty much already out of the running. And uh, if they claw back in it, um, I would be very surprised, especially um, looking at the schedule, because it's not only the 13 games in 44 days or 42 days uh, for Dortmund, it's the same for Leverkusen. And uh, Leipzig granted that Leverkusen have one less game because they are already out of the cup. <laughs> but um, apart from that, Matthias, um, I I really think that uh, Gladbach are a good shout to finish in a Champions League or so Hoffenheim. 
in because they do not have this many games to you know really go through and i think this is a massive advantage um that is not talked enough about but uh, yeah to me Gladbach a team and Hoffenheim a team that uh, most certainly will have an excellent chance to finish uh, you know in the top spots in the, in the table we you know everything between 2 and 4 i think is very possible there and uh, Dortmund have to watch out you know they are only 3 points ahead of Gladbach and uh, 2 points again uh, ahead of Hoffenheim and uh, yeah Freiburg and Union Berlin look very solid very stable so um while Dortmund are in second place right now, um, looking at this schedule, I am confident that Dortmund will finish in fourth place or higher at the end of the season, but I'm not taking it for granted either because too many things can go wrong and too many injuries uh, <laughs> are already occurring for Dortmund, so this can all fall apart very quickly as well. So I'm not, I'm not really uh, you know, uh, counting my chickens just yet. No, agreed. And and even, um, you know, Union Berlin and Freiburg, I don't think they're going to have a deep run into Europe, especially not Union Berlin. They've been a pretty much a flop in European competition so far this season. Um, but getting back to Leverkusen, just, just very briefly, a friend of mine from the region once described Leverkusen as the Autobahn exit on your way to the real city named Köln which I think is a, a good segue into actually SDF to Köln, who... Um, are uh, it's hard to gauge this season, in my opinion. Well, they have lost their best striker, but they have gained the Tiginato. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like for SFC Köln, this game feels like a game that has been marked in the calendar ever since um, Oshan moved to Dortmund because um, maybe it's not quite as uh, Mario Götze joining Bayern Munich because uh, Dortmund are obviously not a direct opponent of RC FC Köln, but um, the fact that Charlie Oshan is a culture young that he has, uh, you know, that he basically grew up in Cologne and uh, played at Cologne in, through the youth ranks and whatnot, and um, you know, finally broke through into the first eleven also thanks to Baumgart. And, uh, you know, absolute darling, absolute fan favorite. Obviously, Dortmund fans can see why, because just the way he's playing, I think um, he's already won the hearts and minds of uh, almost every Dortmund fan. I personally am elated to have him. And uh, there were some Cologne fans who have asked themselves, why would Dortmund even want this player? What can he even do? And uh, I think we can see very well what he can do. He is the glue in Dortmund's midfield, he keeps it all together. He covers Bellingham's butt, if you will, and also um, just is, you know, adding more defensive fortitude. You know, call it the Sven Bender role or the Sebastian Kiel role. Uh, you know, he's just a very solid midfielder. And uh, sadly, I don't know if he's going to be available for this game. But nevertheless, I think um, the fact that Dortmund uh, bought Oshan for, what, 5 million, absolute steal. And then on top of that, um, also ripped Modest away. I think this is how you could describe it when uh, the season had already started and left Cologne, at least from the fans' perspective, high and dry, even though financially they were already high and dry before, which only made this deal possible. But nevertheless, I think this is going to be a very emotional game, maybe even derby-like. So, Matthias, I think this is going to be very tricky because FC Köln will be much 
much more ready than SFC Schalke are. And uh, yeah, they are obviously ninth right now on the table. Uh, 10 points They uh, from the last six games, I think only one win and uh, four draws, one loss. So um, yeah, it's it's going to be very tricky against them. Uh, they have not played impressively this season, but uh, they are very plucky, let's say. Yeah, I mean, I watch actually a lot of Köln matches because I really like SAFC Köln, uh, personally. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I still remember them back in the 80s when they were a really good club. Um, and people were like, Leverkusen who? But they, the last few matches, I mean, they, they dominated Wolfsburg. And that was, I may have been, you know, one of the, the major downsides of Wolfsburg this season is the way they performed against Köln that match. But Köln played really well, but then they've disappointed. Uh, you know, they they played poorly against Union Berlin. Union Berlin completely outplayed them. Only a 1-0 win, but should have been much, much higher. Um, I th- want to say there was also a missed penalty in that game. Uh, then there was. Their, the draw against Bochum gave Bochum their first point of the season. Köln was not very impressive, and they had a nil-nil against Stuttgart. And Stuttgart is not exactly a great team. Yeah, mo- most importantly, very the most disappointing result is probably a two-all draw against the uh, Dominic uh, against uh, against yes, uh, Tedesco. Tedesco Leipzig. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so they've been they haven't been bad. Uh, let's let's put it this way: measured against Stefan Baumgart's first season in Köln. It's very disappointing. Measured against the last few seasons before Steffen Baum got, got there, it's actually really good. <laughs> uh, also because we can't forget there was Zweite Bundesliga in there as well. So it's just odd. It seems like they're returning a little bit to form. Not having Ötchan, not having Modest, I think are huge losses for a club like Köln. Uh, obviously, Modest and Ötchan will not be well-received in Köln on Saturday afternoon, um, to a degree understandable. Um, ultras are not known for rational, emotionless thinking, uh, especially in the heat of a match. But again, Ötchan and Modest, I cannot begrudge them the move. Uh, obviously, it's tainted by the fact that I'm a Dortmund fan, but they could play in the Champions League and make a lot more money. Uh, it's not, like you said, it's not Dortmund taking from a direct rival, as, you know, one could now, oddly enough, say maybe Schlotterbeck from Freiburg kind of was that, but the gulf in difference between the two clubs is even greater at that point. I think that has thrown, been thrown in the past at Dortmund when it came to the likes of, say, Gladbach, as an example. Um, but that, even then, it's not not quite entirely the same thing. But it's going to be heated. We, we, I still remember the Podolski versus Shahin match uh, with Dortmund and Köln on a night when it was Roman Weidenfeller who kept uh, Shahin from getting sent off <laughs> um, because he got in Podolski's face to, to block Nuri Shahin. Um, that's why he will always be a legend. But... It, it's going to be very difficult for Dortmund. Köln are going to stand on Dortmund's toes from moment one. Stefan Baumgart has one way of playing. This will be the way he plays. And Dortmund struggle 
when someone is that aggressive. Now, if they can break through the press in a counterattacking situation, that's where Dortmund will prevail. I'd be shocked if Köln play like Schalke and just sit deep. Um, not having Modest, not having Ötchan, again, those are huge losses for Köln. So I'm going to be very curious to see how they react, how they play. It's not been great this season. I don't see them as a massive attacking threat. If you take out the Wolfsburg match and even that weird match against Leipzig, they've been kind of ho-hum in an attacking sense this season. And so that that's the one thing where if Modest was still there, I'd be a little bit more nervous. Or if their striker was faster, um, even then, if they would have someone like Kruse, I would be concerned. But they don't. They have Stefan Tigges. And nothing against Stefan Tigges, and this is obviously my way of guaranteeing he's going to shoot at least one goal. <laughs> um, I, I think Dortmund will be able to handle him. I think Dortmund will be able to handle Köln's attack. The key thing here for me, for Dortmund to get points out of this, is to remain patient. You know, maybe take another 1-0 victory, but beware of the set pieces. The set pieces, the set pieces don't give away stupid fouls in your defensive third when the attacker is going away from goal or going to the touchline in any way. Just stay on your feet. There's no reason to engage in a hard tackle there. Emre Can, as an example. That, or that's uh, the, Mr. Schlotterbeck. <laughs> yeah, or Schlotterbeck. It's like, just stay on your feet. They're not endangering you. Don't. Those are the dumb fouls that drive me nuts because it was going nowhere and now you've given them a dangerous attacking opportunity. If Dortmund can eliminate that and as well as corners, I don't foresee Cohen getting a lot of corners in this match. Then that's I don't thing. know. They they still play like they have Modest and so they play true. very wing ha heavy. True. That's true. But so. I just, I don't necessarily see it. But here's the other thing. Set pieces, Dortmund has to get much better. I mean, <laughs> yes. set-piece deliveries, defending's been great this season. De the delivery of corners and free kicks is so abysmally shit this year. <laughs> that is my biggest criticism for Dortmund this season is, what the hell happened? Dortmund used to be a pretty good set-piece attacking side, and it's just nothing. It is so bad that if you just increase that just a little bit, then, you know, get an extra goal here or two from that. But they need to improve so much in that Especially regard. Especially with Modest. And Schlotterbeck has also scored set pieces for, for Freiburg. And Mats Hummels has scored uh, set pieces uh, for Dortmund and for Bayern, obviously, uh, and, and Germany in, in many ways. So it's not like you don't have any target players in, in the box. It's just the delivery Especially Julian Brandt's corners are just so terrible. Oh man, it's just, it really is one of the major criticisms you have because um, when you are not able to create much um, out of open play, I think the Schalke game is a perfect example where you then have like, I don't know, 10 corners or whatnot. And every single one is shitter than the last one. <laughs> it 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 is very frustrating. I'm not going to lie. And uh, you know, I, I I wish Dortmund could bring on a special team 
uh, say Prince Aning or so, just for the corner kicks, because uh, if there was one thing in the uh, preseason, you could see that uh, Prince Aning's uh, corner delivery was actually like miles above everyone else's. And this kid is, you know, I don't know how old he is, but he's not very old. And uh, yeah, uh, just funny to me that uh, for whatever reason, uh, Dortmund uh, do struggle with the set-piece delivery. And um, yeah, I don't know if it's just the delivery or if it's also the distribution, the spacing, whatnot, the runs in the box. <laughs> no idea. Um, actually, funny is that Dortmund did score a set-piece against Manchester City, but otherwise... I do not re recall a, a singular one, but um, yeah, if if we look at this Cologne game and uh, Dortmund starting eleven, I'm really puzzled at this moment because um, I listened to uh, the little summary of Dirk Krampe of uh, today's um, you know team training, and uh, you know there are a lot of question marks. Is Gregor Kobel fit to play today? He wasn't on the field. Dortmund say he is expected to re-enter training this week, maybe tomorrow, but, uh, you know, it's it's going to be close. Is he going to be available? I think having Gregor Kobel versus not having Gregor Kobel to Dortmund also matters a lot. Now, uh, obviously, Schalke did not produce a singular shot on target, but uh, Alex Meyer, as good he is with the foot or feet, um, he is, uh, you know, not as good as a shot stopper as Gregor Kobel, I think this is obvious. So um, as soon as Kobel is back, I think Dortmund will improve this significantly um, overall. But, um, you know, same with uh, Rafael Guerrero. Now he is back in team training and whatnot. This is positive, but uh, will he be fit enough to play? Um, the good news there is that Marius Wolf obviously is fit and he did not travel to uh, any <laughs> international game. So that is a positive. And of course, um, the, the the major concern is really the midfield right now because A, is Jude Bellingham going to be fit to play after uh, suffering this kick by Nico Schlotterbeck of all players? Uh, I don't know. And um, B, I think uh, it's almost certain that Charlie Oshan is not going to play because of his uh, bone marrow edema. And uh, I've never had one, but I hear it's A, very painful and B, you can only treat it via rest. And uh, C, if you are not careful, this can lead to a stress fracture and then he's going to be out for the rest of the season, basically. So this is a very painful um, injury to have. And obviously, even worse is that the only way to treat this to, is to not play. And um, I do not know if um, Dortmund can really... Uh, you know, play him a lot just because it, it flared up after the uh, Revier Derby and, um, you know, the way it sounds, it's from the initial knock that he um, suffered in the, the preseason preparations where he thought he was going to be out for a couple of days and then basically missed the whole training camp in Switzerland. So um, that to me is already a, a giant headache. Then, of course, um, Dortmund will be without Marco Reus um, which also is very sad. And we're recording this before um, the United States uh, play. So I just pray to God that uh, Giorena does not pick up an injury against Saudi Arabia, but uh, I do not know in what shape he will be in. So, um, yeah, interesting days. Um, it's almost certain to me that uh, Emre Can will play and probably next to Jude Bellingham. But um, Matthias, it is... At least to me, no longer the time where you can play uh, plan from game to the next game. I think you have to have a longer 
term view given the schedule and you know pick and choose where and how and when to rest players and obviously we have to talk about Jude Bellingham because um he is such a great and important player for Dortmund and also for England I think he won the man of the match award against Germany um when the hell does Dortmund rest this 19 year old because uh he has played almost every minute so far and uh, at some point given the intensity he brings um you know there there will be something that gives and i hope he doesn't pick up a muscular injury or something um but uh, when do you rest him i feel like if you look at the important games ahead sevilla bayern sevilla etc etc maybe the, on on paper the cologne match would be the, the 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 best opportunity to rest him especially after the straining international break in theory, yes, but if you look at the fact that Ötchan out, Dahoud out, uh, I'm seeing, you know, Brandt has, you know... He had the flu, but he is back. Flu. But I mean, still, what, what are you going to do? You want to have a, a double pivot of Brandt and Chan? That, that, that was what I, I honestly know. was thinking, that this could happen. But but I, I, but then you've got no depth beyond that. I mean, you've got Gio Reyna, depending on, you know, what the USA does. But even in an attacking sense, you know, Alea is out, Bano Gintens is out, Mukoko is out um, right now. Not sure when he's coming back. So, what, you'll have Modest, Ariemi, and Man or Azad somehow flip-flopping yeah, I, in there. I mean, is, is this is this the time where you put Wolf as left-back and play Guerrero in the center? <laughs> I mean, that, that could be something worth considering, at least trying out in training. Uh, and maybe you you try it out in this match. It's the kind of match that you could do it because if I look at, honestly, if I look at Cone, um, and and I look at their squad, the people that I'm most concerned with are people they have in defense. Uh, Hubas, Soldo, Hector, Schwebe. They're good. They're good Bundesliga players. Beyond that, you know, anybody else? Skiri in central midfield? I'm not overly concerned with the likes of Kainz, Duda, Tigges, Thielmann, and so on. They just, they're not the players where I look at and go, I am scared of them going against uh, Dortmund's back line uh, and, um, or Dortmund's keeper at this point. I'm not. Um, the concern is more Dortmund breaking down those solid players that they do have, which are Skiri, Huba, Soldau in the kind of the central area with Schwebe and Goal, and then Hector. That that's really where my concern is in this match. And so I'm looking more at creative solutions. I do not believe you know, that uh Tazic will not play Bellingham. Uh, I think Emre Can is almost guaranteed to start because you kinda need that position. And that profile, do you test Guerrero in there as that creative fulcrum versus the box-to-box style that Bellingham has? Maybe. Maybe you throw it in there, and if it's not working out, you make a switch after halftime, 50th or 60th minute, depending on who's more tired and where the form is looking at that point. It would be something I would like to see. I just don't necessarily think it's going to happen. Well, I'm I'm just spitballing here because it, it is a conundrum, obviously, because you know there are a lot of uh, necessities that uh, 
compete with each other, let's say. And so um, I think giving Bellingham a rest is, is absolutely crucial. And to me, really, this is the best moment to do it, if I'm if I'm fully honest. And um, yeah, the, the other thing, of course, is... Um, what what worries me, obviously, if we look at the individual names of Cologne, um, you know, I'm with you, but they have managed to press opponents really well and create a very tough time for them. I've I've seen the two-all draw against Leipzig, and um, the way they managed to suffocate Leipzig, and the way that Leipzig. Um, hardly created uh, chances in this game um, really goes to show what a good job Cologne can do and uh, on the flip side can create chances from uh, the space they have so Dortmund in this game I think the key as you said is patience but obviously <laughs> uh, on, on the other side you do not get a lot of time to think or brief because uh, Cologne will try to hunt, hunt you down and so pressing resistance on top of that, to me, is going to be the other key. How can Dortmund retain possession against this Cologne team and uh, not give the ball away in dangerous areas of the field? And uh, that, to me, is sort of the main worry. And um, if you put Rafael Guerrero in a position he hasn't played in years, um, is that a good idea even? Or will he uh, make errors that come with the adaption to set uh, positions? So... I'm not entirely sure how to solve this problem. Ideally, you have Dahoud and <laughs> Bellingham and Ashan all available, and then uh, that is less of an issue. But uh, sadly, this is not to be the case. And on the other hand, I also think that Dortmund will play uh, once again a very direct style. So I don't think that Dortmund will retain the ball much anyway, just because of the players they have. So the good news is that uh, Daniel Marlin and Karim Adeyemi will be available and fit because they spent the last two weeks or those two weeks um, not on the international break but uh, actually worked more on their recovery to full fitness and I think we didn't manage uh, mention it really in the Schalke segment but uh, um, Daniel Malen played a really great Riviera Derby he was maybe a bit unlucky with his finishing but nevertheless um, he tired out uh, Matsriani or whatever the fuck his name is uh, quite well so that uh, he did not have the energy or the legs to then uh, close down Marius Wolf later in the game and uh, on the other hand you ha also had Adiyemi who really caused a lot of havoc just by his pace and the way he's playing and um, obviously I'm excited to see more of Adiyemi because we have had so few glimpses and uh, you know he also you know had a couple of weak or poor performances say the one against uh, Hertha Berlin but we all know that he also wasn't quite fit then. So I really do hope that we see some individual spark from Dortmund's attacking midfield and considering that you will have a front three of probably, and I'm not 100% certain, but you will probably have uh, Adiyemi, Malin and Reyna starting. And then on top of that, either Mokoku if he's fit or Modest who has a revenge game. Um, I think... Um, Dortmund can do some fun stuff up front. And, uh, you know, if Rena can play, then you probably will have Julian Brandt in the number 10. And uh, I think that Julian Brandt so far is playing a good season and uh, is in decent form. And, um, you know, obviously always prone 
to lose the ball in dumb positions, but also always prone to do something world class. So uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult one, but I I think that Dortmund could just squeak by in this game. I I know it's not going to be pretty. I know if your wife with neutral eyes uh, will not see a beautiful game, but I I do think that Dortmund can be successful. But I don't know. It's 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 going to be tricky just uh, because Cologne and their smash mouth football are something that Dortmunds traditionally struggle with right now because they do not have the positional play um, equipped enough to deal with a uh, high energy pressing. So you really just hope that Cologne tires out and in the last 20 minutes you can just hit them. I agree. <laughs> it's going to be Sorry a game of, No, it's going to be a game of attrition in, in that sense, you know. And that's why I said don't want you to be patient and not concede stupid set pieces and then I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that is really what it comes down to because neither of us, I think, speaking for you here, expects any fireworks or blowouts from this Borussia Dortmund side. I do not think they are right now in the position to do that. Um, obviously, they do have the individual quality that they can uh, miraculously outperform their expected goals. And uh, let's be real, um, the game against Hatta or the game against Schalke all could have been blowouts. Um, but there were also other games where uh, they were uh, luckier to score, say, two goals against Bremen. Didn't look on the cards. Three goals against Freiburg also did not look like it was going to happen. So, um, yeah, sort of uh, the variance in one game can obviously swing in Dortmund's favor, no doubt. But, um, yeah, I want to see um, a smart Dortmund team that uh, protects the ball and protects his own goal first and... Uh, If they manage to do that, I think overall they, they will be fine. And uh, I think the mindset overall uh, this season has changed uh, over to what Dortmund was and used to be under Marco Rose. And, you know, we can use this international break also to speak about these sort of tendencies and uh, why, um, you know, the football hasn't been the most spectacular. I personally am more content with what I'm seeing from this Dortmund team so far this season than I have been in the previous season. I can actually see an identity. I can actually see a development. And um, while it's not all perfect, I'm happy with the way this Dortmund team is playing right now. No, I agree. It's There's a lot of um, professionalism around it, you know, and, and I just assume Dortmund play professionally, control matches, look nice. Um, but then when one nil, then, you know, those four, three, five, three, three, two chaotic matches we've seen in the past where they're going to be boneheaded mistakes, but then spectacular goals, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, no one, there's just absolutely no way to please everybody. Uh, and, and I keep seeing that uh, on, you know, Twitter, which is just always a dumpster fire. But, you know, where it's like, okay, what do you people want? You know, do you, do, do you pick, pick something, pick a lane, you know, because you're not going to get winning every game 8-0, okay? Because we don't live in FIFA 22 land or 23 or whatever <laughs> fucking iteration of that game it is now. But that's not reality. We live in reality. And I'd rather see this from Dortmund, controlled performances, solid victories, but not, we had solid controlled victories for a time with Lucien Favre, but it was boring. 
I'll be honest, it was boring. It was slow paced. These are not slow paced, boring matches. I think when Dalton clicks in that final third, you'll see four nils. You'll see five ones. I absolutely, Hatta should have been it. Um, Schalke could have been two, three nil. Um, and I think it's it's just a process of trying to get there because obviously you lose Elling Holland, who's just an insane, an insane striker. And you replace him with a very good striker in Sebastian Alea. And then, of course, he gets hit with what he gets hit with. And now you're just trying to make it work. And it is working. It's working where it needs to, which is defensively, which has been a Dortmund issue for a few seasons. It's working central midfield in terms of controlling matches, controlling the pace. And now we just need to tick over at the front end. And as long as you get enough chances to get that one or two goals then you're good, and don't let what happened against Bremen happen, and Leipzig, I honestly just don't know what happened there, um, but everything else, I am good with it, you know, we look at Manchester City, a match where you would think coming off of what happened in Leipzig, Dortmund could get embarrassed here, and they weren't, in fact, they were in a shout with possibly winning that game, I don't know if they would have deserved a victory, that's a different discussion, but they were in in that match. And I think that shows where this team is uh, in terms of professionalism, development, and solid base. And I think we'll continue to see that here against Köln. I personally believe Dortmund are going to win this this match, and I think they're going to win it 2-0. Yeah, and I wouldn't that, be shocked that, if Modest scores one or both of those goals. Yeah, that is actually, that's a good scoreline prediction and uh, if they can grab another clean sheet oh man I, I'd be so elated and um, yeah if Mokoko can uh, can play on I I think he's also going to be on the score sheet if if I'm honest so um, yeah I really would love to see um, the dynamic of uh, Reina and Adeyemi because I think they complement each other quite well um, the way they play and the way they um, uh, sort of sort of groove. Uh, Adiyemi is someone who makes the runs that uh, Girena likes to play in. And, uh, you know, obviously the Royce injury is very tragic. But on the other hand, I think we need to talk about uh, Girena coming back and what it means for him now that he will probably get four, five games. I don't know how, how much he can play consecutively. Um, in his favorite position and uh, Borussia Dortmund have said I think publicly that they perceive that uh, Girena is sort of the heir of Marco Reus so this is also a glimpse into Dortmund's future I think and uh, from that point um, I'm really looking forward to um, you know seeing how how he manages to um, yeah create chances because clearly um what what Giorena is doing best is playing intelligent passes, reading the defense, and uh, you know picking up on the runs. Uh, the uh, first chance that he created for uh, Mokoko after he came on was actually a Mokoko run behind Schalke's defense, and I think it was a uh, one we won against the keeper or something. But already a really good chance and uh, just a nice little dink from midfield and uh, the scoring chance the Dortmund well the, the chance the Dortmund scored was also because of. Uh, Reyna's cross to Marius Wolf. I think um, it is just very nice to see how he distributes the ball and how he plays into spaces that are open 
And um, we've seen it now many times that Adeyemi, um, when Dortmund overload the left side, is open on the on the right side. And uh, I think if Dortmund play quickly and with Girena, they most certainly can do that, um, that he will get into space or um, play into the, um, I don't know if you want to call it the B-gap or whatever, but uh, sort of the, the gap between uh, the right central defender and the right back of the opponent, or rather, no, other way, sorry, the left back and the left central defender of the opponent, because uh, I think Adimi will make these runs into the box, and Girona knows how to play this through ball. So I I think we're going to see a lot of Adimi goals if he uh, cleans up his finishing a little bit, uh, assisted by Girona going forward. Um, just because of uh, the partnership we have there. And it's something I'm excited about. You know, we are sitting here, you know, thinking about all the injuries and how Dortmund will, you know, solve this puzzle. And fair enough. And, you know, obviously, I, I keep saying it, I think the the loss against Leipzig has to do a lot also with fatigue. And I think it will play a role and I think games will be ugly. But on the other hand, there's also a lot of potential and a lot of good stuff that can happen in this Dortmund team. And we must not forget that uh, should, um, should Dahoud return in the second half of the season and uh, Bino Gittens make his comeback and then you, on top of that, also get Sebastian Alea. I don't know in what form, but uh, I think Sebastian Kehl just said maybe he, he can make a return in January. You know, he doesn't... At the same time, he also says he doesn't want to put a timeline on it. But I think in the long term, we have a very exciting squad already and a team that... Uh, can beat anyone. I mean, if you can beat Man City or come very close to it, I think you really can take it to anyone in Europe right now. So I'm I'm overly, or, or in general, I'm excited about this Dortmund team, knowing that <laughs> there will be crap here and there, but uh, that's normal in sport. It happens to any team. So um, I'm not too concerned right now, and I'm looking forward um, to how it all unfolds. And obviously in the next week's, especially after the Cologne game, I would talk a little bit more about Mukoko's role and, uh, you know, how he will play maybe over Modest or next to Modest or whatever the solution will be. But, um, you know, he's obviously a vibrant kid and I think he needs to take the momentum of the goal against Schalke with him and uh, build on that. But at the same time, do you really not want to play Modest in the revenge game against Cologne? I don't know. <laughs> End of thought. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you got to start Modest, especially with Mukoko coming off of an injury from international duty. I think it's just the safer, the smart thing to do at this point, knowing you have so many matches between now and mid-November that you got to cram in there. Uh, you just, you got to be smart with some of these decisions. Yeah. Did you see Mukoko saying that he wants to win the treble with Dortmund? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't know if Super Cup counts. For trouble, <laughs> you know, but sure. Well, it, I mean, may as well. If if you if you win a treble and the Super Cup is among us, you at least win a domestic competitions, yeah, right? Yeah, but I mean, here you go. Is that the rumor? Is he is he going to resign now? Because you know that's the speculation I keep seeing. Well, I mean, he's been. Free? You know, the the rumors during the international break were that Real Madrid and uh, FC Bayern are also interested, and I'm sure. Getting a talent like him on a free transfer, you know, which top club wouldn't be interested. But uh, I'll be honest, um, I'm certain or fairly certain that he will resign with Dortmund. I think that eventually Dortmund will also just see 
um, that uh, he, you know, needs to be paid, <laughs> even though he's very young and uh, it's it's you know very hard to do. But I think at the end of the day, this is going to happen. The only road bump, if you will, I can see in the deal not happening is that he wants to be the clear number one striker in any system he's playing in. And uh, considering that uh, Sebastian Alea is Dortmund's absolute uh, record signing, I think, um, in, the, in the long term, that might not be a given for Mokoko, which is why he might be hesitant. Maybe that is the explanation. I'm not entirely sure, but um, this is sort of how I would At explain. 17. I yeah. mean, at 17, I'm sorry, that would be stupid. That means you have an, an underlying attitude problem. Yeah, I mean, that, but that might be the case. You know, uh, a greed has happened before in football and uh, making decisions like that, which probably not, are not 100% his own. So I'm I'm just saying, uh, you know, it's it's also probably a, a family and agent and whatnot thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's certainly going to be interesting to see. Um, it's also interesting to see that I've seen transfer rumors around Jude Bellingham, where the where the reported fee is uh, lower than a hundred million. And uh, if I'm honest, if uh, <laughs> if Dortmund would sell in next summer, I Maybe I'm biased here, but uh, considering he is England's what or one of their best players, um, you know, maybe maybe make it 200 million. Just saying, uh, you know, just gotta open the wallet. So it ain't gonna be cheap. No, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. 150 million. I've seen that price tag float around. I feel like yeah, this almost feels too too cheap. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh. I think 2-0 is a good prediction, so let's knock it on the head here unless you have any other musings. Nope, I'm good. All right, uh, then uh, as always, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. You can follow Matthias at MatthiasSook on Twitter. You can follow me at Stefan Butzko. You can follow all of us at YellowWallPod. If you want to sponsor an episode like Steve, you can do that at uh, patreon.com slash theyellowwall. And uh, yeah, uh, we shall be back with a preview and a review of the clone game uh, and a preview of the Sevilla game. Um, there you go, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, there is going to be the match against Bayern and so many more games. So uh, I think taking a break from the Yellow Ball pod for a week and uh, then coming back uh, wasn't the worst decision because there is going to be so much content on the horizon uh, and I will be a lot at work. But uh, yeah, for now, this is it from us as always. Thank you for listening and goodbye.